Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth brings you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. Huntworth, they're giving away on the Patreon giveaway this set of their rain gear in Tarnan and a Lodi day pack. And that day pack is a great size. I use it for scouting and it has uh, straps on the sides and on the bottom so you can put your sticks on there. Um, it's enough to hold a jacket, uh, kind of, you know, nothing, no overkill. So it, it can, it allows you to bring the stuff that you need and, uh, not a lot of the stuff that you don't, um, been using it, like I say, for scouting and it's, it's a great little pack, but they're, I, I can't be any happier with their rain gear. The price is great, but the quality, you know, they, they told me that it was going to be like kind of, you know, oh, you can't take it to Alaska or something like that. Man, it's super high quality, nice brushed finish. Um, used it when we were in Ohio. It was super durable um, through the briars and all that, and it kept me dry. So it's it's kind of like one of those outer layers you could use as a wind stopper, rain, you know, for just if you were going to hunt in like a light rain where you wanted to be out all day and not get soaked through. Um, it's like a perfect hunting set of rain gear. Not a packable set, set of rain gear, but actually a functional set of rain gear so super awesome um great that they're giving that away um <laughs> patreons i gotta give a shout out to jason um and his sister doubled up on some turkeys um pretty awesome to be able to do that last day of the pa season so congrats jason and uh robbie's still out there trying to kill one but uh, you got to bring your arrows with you if you want to uh if you want to kill a turkey robbie um, so just keep that in mind. We've all forgot our arrows from time to time. Um, also, you know, this year we're working with lucky buck. So lucky buck, if you listen to that last podcast with Mike from domain, um, he kind of went through all of the different things that they've got, um, the uses for, um, each of the different, uh, grains and when to, to plant them. And, uh, we've got some of their perfect perennial that we're going to be planting here along with, uh, some of that other stuff from, from domain um lucky buck we've got their their mineral out up at our property in the up 
um, super excited to be working with them. And they're giving away, um, you can choose either between the mineral or the perennial seed. Um, so if you haven't listened to that last podcast, um, that lucky book, per- perfect perennial, um, it's got the clover alfalfa and, uh, some chicory in it as well. So, um, you know, Mike was talking about when to plant those kind of what they do. And, uh, it's a great, uh, mix to just get out there and get some, get some food in for, for your, uh, for your deer herd. Um, Frank went and got his, uh, red dot set up a couple podcasts ago. We set up, did one with, uh, Tim Zelinka from adjustable red dot. And, uh, he's about ready to, uh, shoot a turkey should have been out this morning, but, uh, we just got back from vacation and, uh, he ended up driving home from Chicago on about, uh, oh, I don't know. He had about a 23 hour day, um, between late flights and, uh, waiting around standby. And then finally just saying, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to drive home. Uh, but he went down and saw Tim got that red dice, red dot set set up and uh he's he's pretty pumped to to red dot a turkey here uh this upcoming week i think he's gonna i think he's gonna take care of that so we'll we'll have some updates on that but he's getting it all sighted in for tack and uh, he's gonna have that up there if you guys want to come and come and check out one of those uh red dots and uh it's super super intuitive and uh if you're left-handed frank will probably let you shoot it uh we might have another one up there uh, but you can check them out at adjustablered.com and uh, as always we're working with spartan forge spartan forge just came out with an incredible update um they have their lambda um a new uav so a, a drone like real-time super crazy detailed maps um and there's even different um times for some of them now a lot of that's around some of the bigger cities but um you can overlay different maps so you can use the topo on top of the public you can use the topo um on top of that uh uav drone footage um there i mean i say it every time their imagery is just incredible uh, along with that predictive deer movement so right now you know, we're not in season. We're not really looking at, you know, when are the deer going to be moving, but that's where their, uh, bread and butter is, is that, you know, they've taken all of that collared deer studies. They've taken all of this historical data and they've plugged it in to an algorithm that's military grade for troop movement and bad guy movement and said, where are these deer going to be moving on these winds in these conditions? Um, and it tells you, uh, with like a 66% certainty of where they're going to be moving um, so that we don't have to uh, kind of waste our time in the wrong spot or second guess ourselves. And their pro staff is incredible, uh, some extremely skilled hunters, and they're validating all of this information. Um, so you can check them out at SpartanForge.ai. Um, and if you want to use code BOWHUNTER, you can save 25% uh, by using uh, that code that helps us out a little bit too, but, um, all of that stuff and, and they're giving away one of their, uh, yearly subscriptions through Patreon, Patreon's crowdfunding for, 
creators basically it helps us out for the day-to-day uh, for doing things like our cookout at TAC for bringing Greg Glitzinger with us to TAC and he's going to be staying with us shooting with us uh, rumor has it he's going to be up there uh, telling his meat eater story about uh, well check out Greg in the 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 meat eater close calls book um, that audio book he's on there but it allows us to do things like that and um, we're looking forward to hanging out with all the Patreons, going up there, cooking out, and uh, just kind of cutting up and being uh, able to interact with you guys. We can't thank you enough. And that's at patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles. And we're giving away that all of that stuff. And then Redline is giving away one of their site packages. So they're giving away a single pin site, a stabilizer, and one of their quivers. And if you go back to that podcast with Eric, we don't talk a lot about the red line stuff. Um, but you know, they're making great gear at a low regular guy type price. Just, just awesome. Um, glad that they're able to help us out in, in giving away some of that stuff. Um, we're also giving away some of the zingers, um, zingers, you know, we're, we're doing a podcast now on fletchings, but zingers are, compression fit 3d printed uh, for guys that don't want to fletch arrows so they fly great uh, used them all all year last year used them at the total archery challenge finally got john uh to come come around to say hey, you know these things uh they actually do work and uh happy to have that you can check like i say you can check them out at zingers.com this podcast we're talking about as we get into the total archery challenge prep and everybody's kind of out there shooting long range, shooting 3D, um, all that stuff. Uh, Dirk was kind enough to come on. He sent us some fletchings. Um, we were shooting them against Kyle's veins, kind of against everything. And uh, just to see, you know, if they are quieter, do they do everything that they're supposed to do? And uh, we kind of talk about all of that in this podcast. So, guys, as always, thanks for listening. All right. Uh, Adam, back with another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast, and I'm sad that John can't be here today on this one. Um, this is this is right up his alley, but I think it's maybe better for the conversation. We're going to talk with Dirk Stark. Um, we're going to talk uh, all things fletching uh, today. Uh, he's with uh, Flex Fletch and Silent Night, and uh, shot. He sent us over some of those. We fletched them up, been shooting them, uh, been shoot. I mean, I got a a dozen random arrows, like I said before on one of the other podcasts, uh, by fletching up these arrows and trying all this different stuff. Like I've very quickly become a bow nerd all of a sudden, like, like before I was like, why do you need all of this stuff? Why do you need all of these things? And, uh, it happens very, very, uh, very quickly. Once you say, well, what about this? What about this? What about that? So, um, how are you doing today, Dirk? Uh, fantastic. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, looking forward to the conversation. It's always good to talk to another hunter. Um, I'm going to get rid of my old man glasses here. Um, but um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's, um, you know, I've been in the industry about 30 years, um, doing a lot of different things and really been a hunter and not, I'm not a bow tech. I'm not a tech expert at all. Um, but I found something that worked for me a couple of years ago and ended up talking to them pretty soon i'm the brand manager for them and um yeah so that's kind of how it evolved uh, um with flex flesh and silent night okay so uh your history like so you said you've been in the industry for for quite some time like how did that all 
start and as far as like your hunting background because uh, one of the things that enters into it and you know you say you know it's nice to talk to another hunter uh, I'm, right. I'm thinking that's going to be like a precursor into into what i'm saying here in that a lot of people in the industry it seems that they have so much um busy work during the season that they don't get to hunt and it becomes right. more of a, a work time than than a hunt time so um how did that come about with you uh, getting into the industry and then still uh, finding time to hunt? Right. Well, 30 years ago, I started making turkey calls out of the wing bones and doing seminars at Gander and Bass Pro. And pretty soon I was sponsored by this company and that company and still doing seminars and, you know, as an average pro staff. And that was the days before the internet. So being social was really being at your local shooting clubs, your archery shops or doing seminars. And you talk to people at the seminars and Actually, I just did a video not too long ago about how to be social on social because so much of social media these days is about look at me, look at me, look at me instead of back and forth interaction and, and actually talking about things. But that's how I got started 30 years ago was making my own calls, doing seminars, and pretty soon we launched commando game calls. I got involved with strut and red energy shots. I got involved with Tacticam, flying arrow archery. Um and now I actually am um, brand manager for several different brands um, and product development. So, um, so that's kind of where it is now. Um, again, I've always been a hunter. You know, I started bow hunting at the age of eight because I was trying to spear fish. My grandpa said, you know what, you better have one of these bows because you can shoot it out farther. And 99% of my hunting experience has been with a bow. And you can see behind me, I'm shooting recurves or I've shoot compounds over on that wall. <laughs> Um, I live and breathe that. Um, I have a hunting ranch out in South Dakota as well. It's archery only. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's how I get into it. Um, never been to a guide and outfitter, but now I'm a guide and outfitter as well. But it's, um, it's just about being a hunter. And, and um, that's kind of how I got into Silent Night and Flex Fletch because there's so many different veins out there and been doing the industry. And a couple of years ago, I ran into Flex Fletch at the ATA show and I started talking to this company. I'm like, you're from Minnesota? really, where in Minnesota are you from? And um, they said, well, White Bear Lake. And I'm like, well, that's about two hours away from me. And I, I've been doing this a long time and never heard of you. And they said, well, we've been in the archery industry since 1970. They were the first vein company that was a non-feathered vein in 1970, um, originally started by a 3M engineer. And I was like, whoa, where, where's this coming from? And really found out that their background has really been on the target side of things. In fact, the best target archers in the world use our veins um, for veins only. Um, they're not getting high dollar endorsements. Um, they just want to shoot our veins because of performance. And, I, and so I was like, well, it's just a piece of plastic, right? Um, and what I've learned about this is that um, that's what most hunters think. And that's what most archers think is just a piece of plastic. But how these are made, it's, it's not about the shape. You know, everyone thinks, well, this has a shield cut or this is a two inch or three inch. It's really not about the shape that I found. It's about what the material is made out of. Uh, most veins are made out of, uh, they're extruded like tube of toothpaste out. And if you look at them, they're, they're really thick consistency, but it's, it's just melted plastic pellets. Um, ours is actually a two-part polyurethane that's, molded to hand molded here in Minnesota together. And what that does is it creates a much thinner vein. Um, if you can see here, and also a much thinner base. Um, 
and not only is the shape aerodynamic, you know, like a wing of a plane, but when you take these veins and you bury them as a bow hunter, as an average guy like me, you know, you're shooting at a hay bale or a cardboard box and you bury your veins in that thing or an old foam target that's three years old, right? You bury them and you take it out and the veins usually come crumpled up and they're, sh they're shot. Where these veins within about 10 to 20 minutes, they actually come back to shape on their own. And that's the difference of how, what they're made with versus just the shape. So I guess when you were in talks with this company, like from the, from the outset, uh, how does a company stay afloat or how does it, how does it exist when nobody knows they exist? <laughs> right, right. So think about this. They were, they originally came on the market when Bear did and Hoyt did back in the day, right? So there's a lot of relationships that way. But when you look at archers across the world, um, there are more target archers in the world than there uh, than are their bow hunters. There are more, you know, our our market of archery in the U.S. is so tiny. And then you think about the number of bow hunters. That's even tinier yet than the target archers. There are more target archers here in the U.S. than there are than there are bow hunters. It's just what it is. And and uh, so we think the hunting industry is so big. But in reality, it's so small and piece of pie. And literally 90% of FlexFletch products are sold all over the world. <laughs> so that's that's how they've made it. But they realized, and with me and being involved in the hunting industry, that they missed out on the hunt whole hunting side of things. And that's where we've kind of refired up with that. Um, you know, you know, the the biggest thing that we looked at is a couple of years ago, the silent night came out and it was originally designed as a crossbow vein because crossbows were getting faster and faster than compounds and they were having clearance issues and they couldn't handle the speeds. And so actually we've got several large crossbow manufacturers, some of the major ones right now that we are going to be making veins for, for this next year, because again, it's about those partnerships in the hunting industry. And so that's kind of where it came about. Um, and so we're trying to focus more on the hunting side with the silent night really being our hunting vein. Um, the SK2 is a two-inch, I should have it around here. I don't know if I sent you any of those or not, but that has really become the vein of choice for 3D archers. Um, Chris Perkins, you know, top dog in the ASA, and a lot of the Matthew shooters are shooting that SK2 two-inch because of FOC compared to, I won't say any other vein companies, but other ones that are thicker, a little bit noisier, um, and stuff like that. And don't also have all the funky color options that, that flex flesh does. So from a, a, a hunting standpoint, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there with the, with the weight, right. And if in, in, I don't, I don't know whether, I mean, we could, we could talk about, um, you know, uh, we're, we're giving away a gear head bow, right? So a gear head bow, um, yep. uh, I don't know, maybe like a, a grizzly stick arrow or um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like outside of the box things like people do not like change or different or, or, or whatever. So now you've got these veins you're trying to, um, I don't, I don't want to say like break into the hunting in uh, the, the, the hunter, you know, but, but now you've got them and they're, they're much thinner. They're made of a different, material um everything now i guess 
new or um, right. the, those uh-huh. those sort of types of things we think of as like uh, cheap Chinese wish version of something that's that exists already. Uh, right. You know how from a from a hunting standpoint from a, from the hunters the the feedback like you're trying to give them something completely different than what they've they've they're they're accustomed to um how how are you uh, addressing that side of it right so i guess there's three things that three words that i just have uh, so i'm just going to tell you some of the shooters that shoot them headhunters tv uh ralph and vicky uh archer's choice joel maxfield brad rux from deer and deer hunting um now steve uh greenwood from victory archery um and actually the president of easton and tyson yates over at easton um all are shooting our veins. And the thing that we have heard from feedback, and so I'm just using these words, is quieter, faster, and tougher. So to me, as a bow hunter, that that sounds like anything you want to emulate as a bow hunter. You're quieter. And and that quiet is, you know, they did some original things and said 50% quieter. Well, I'm just going to tell you that it's not 50% quieter that you and I would hear. Um, it's, it's really, it was done testing done in a sound chamber and some scientific measurements that showed it 50% quieter than the standard two inch. And I won't say the vein company, but it was head to head against that vein and it was 50% quieter in the scientific measurements that they did. What I've done is I've tested it using a decibel meter and I've shown it to be anywhere from five to 50. Five, five to 15 decibels quieter than most veins on the market. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Um, two inch or three inch. And that difference doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but in, in the app that I use to do that, it's, it basically gives a, a rating, basically. So is it, um, is it, does it sound like the rustling of leaves, or is it inaudible, right? And so that difference might not be that much in in decibels five to 15 decibels but if it's the difference between being inaudible to the human ear or sounding like rustling leaves it's quieter right um and then faster what we found is that because these veins are thinner it's a smoother texture on it that i've actually shown that this three inch is faster than some of the standard two inch veins on the market um and so that's an interesting thing. And if you watch some of the slow motion, you'll, you'll kind of see some of that, um, why it is that way. But it's, it's about the aerodynamics of it as well as the, the material is thinner. So it's less drag on it, less resistance, so it's faster. And then obviously the tougher part of it is if you can bury it into target and pull it out or, or in your boat case traveling and you're stuffing all your garbage in it and it comes out and, and comes out fine, it, it's tougher, right? So that's kind of how I summarize it is quieter, faster, tougher. I'm not going to put a, a 10 times or five times or twice as much on it, but anything, any advantage we can have as a bow hunter, that's, I'll take that all day long. So it's interesting. So 
when you were going through the names of the people who you're yeah. saying, okay, these guys are, are shooting them. Um, you know, some of that automatically comes to mind. Like, uh, you can pay anybody enough money to shoot, uh, anything, right. That's like, Oh, that's the greatest thing. But right. I, I believe, uh, Joel, Joel is the vice president of Matthews, right? He's, he's up there pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, right. he doesn't necessarily, he, he, doesn't. he can, he can shoot whatever he wants to. So that, right. and I just want to say that for the listener, because it's like, it's very easy to tune out and say, okay, well, yeah, they can, you, you can, right. you can pay whoever you want to, to shoot. You know, yeah, his, whole, his whole family shoots the silent nights right now. And Joel has done, if you follow him on Facebook at all, he's done so much extensive testing as far as penetration and all that kind of stuff and speed. Um, and so he's been a really, uh, I lean on him. I'm not an expert on that and nor do I. And the other part is I, I lean on our target archers for their feedback on things um, because they're not making high dollars. I mean, Mike, uh, Mike Schlosser is the number one men's compound shooter in the world. He's the only guy to, sh you know, shoot perfect scores over and over um, out of the Netherlands. And he's like, just send me veins. That's all I need, right? Uh, Sarah Lopez, the number one women's compound shooter in the world. Um, she's out of Colombia. She's considered the GOAT, the greatest of all time, seven-time world champion, right? And she just wants us to send her veins. So when you have pro shooters out there like that, you know, like Levi Morgan is, right? Or some of those other ones that, they're getting high dollar amounts from companies to, to do that where these archers just say, you know what, this is what works for me. I've been paid by other ones and I want to come back because of consistency, durability. They hate to fletch their arrows. So they want something that's durable. So that's why I'm learning from those people. I mean, they're the best in the world. So we talked about this a little bit before we started here. Um, from for me being like the 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 novice uh arrow guy and one of the things is about that fletching arrow so a lot of people really like it they really think it's therapeutic and they want everything to be perfect and you know i grew up as an off-the-shelf arrow guy like you go get whatever and it, you know i it, you are too if you've been in the industry that long um old enough guy where I went and I got my aluminum arrows and they, you did the spin test on your nails and you're like, yeah, those are probably good enough. And, um, <laughs> you know, that was, that was that you shoot them into the dirt a few times. Oh, it's still pretty good. That one might be number three or four right. now. Right. right. Or, or you get a Nick and you just cut off that Nick so it doesn't flutter because yeah. you don't want to go in. <laughs> I've been there, done that, you know? Yeah. Uh, completely. So, so, you know, with, um, you won't, you say, you know, I'm not going to use other ones, but like for me, like, you know, the AAE ones where you have to use their specific pen or primer pen, like all this stuff, you know, you guys are using, you had said different materials, different polymer. How does that end up when you're, you're fletching arrows? Is it still that same arduous process with proprietary glues and whatnot? Right. That, that's a good question. Actually, that, that comes up a lot because um, think about our product is it, um, it was hand molded, right? So if you know anything about molding, there's usually a mold release agent on it. And for, and for years, uh, we really suggested that you um, scrub the base of the vein um, with acetone to remove any, any mold release because of adhesion issues, right? So recently we've actually formulated a new mold release so that we don't have to have that kind of 
strategic, you know, uh, I guess real intense cleaning and prep stuff. Um, in fact, now we're, they're called no prep veins. Um, but that's, that was the deal is that flex fletch you all, people always thought, okay, I have to be extra careful because I've got to get that mold release off. We do sell a primer pen and we make our own glue. Actually, um, the flex bond glue is probably one of the best selling glues out there in bulk forever. Um, but I, I'm not here to talk about glues because it's not, I'm not a, not a techie freak on it, but I mean, I, I'll use anything I have on the shop here or on the bench to, to glue things up, but they're not always flex fletch. Um, and I'm not an expert that wants to see their, you know, be perfect and have it. We were talking about this before. I want to lick and stick. In fact, uh, um, some of these like, well, this one here I just did for Easton. I was able to flex these, this arrow in 45 seconds. Um, just bam, stick it in, glue it, flip it, hold it, next one, next. And I don't have the patience for that other stuff. Yeah. Now that arrow that you showed right there, um, it, huh. it looks like it's got, uh, in for the people that aren't, uh, watching this via video um check it out on youtube or, or whatever but that's got a uh helical or offset can you tell me the difference i mean you say you're not like a super technical guy so maybe maybe not but like uh, helical hey. versus offset versus and, and what does that do for sound and speed right. and all that so so what i've been told and what i've learned is that this right now has about uh this one actually has a about a two degree helical on it which is going to make it more noisy. The more helical you have, the more noisy it's going to be. Um, and a standard right now uh, off of a mass produced is usually about a one degree offset um, for mass produced arrows. Um, the more helical you have, the more stability you'll have in your in your arrow, especially if you're doing a fixed blade broadhead. So there's a balance. Do you are you shooting long range with a big head, or you know, or are you um, shooting a lightweight little head um, and want that speed or are you shooting target and you just, you just want to shoot as flat as possible as you can. And so um, it's really, it's kind of a balance. There's no right answer for, you know, if I'm in a hunt with 70 pound bow, 28, there's no right answer on it. It's really what you're shooting for head and what you're looking for. Are you looking for long range? Are you looking for quiet? It, it's really a balance to find that for yourself uh, from what I've been, what I've learned anyway. So one of the questions I would have for you then just, I'm just thinking of this is um, from the target archer standpoint, that uh, SK two or whatever vein versus the, the silent night, because it doesn't, it, it would make absolutely zero difference if that arrow to a target archer whistled like a train horn, if it hit where it needed to hit. Um, so, you know, you understand the question, right? Actually, we, we have a, a flame vein that looks like flames coming off the part that some target archers use. Um, why the SK two is, in fact, I'll show you this one here, uh, or secure the SK two it uh, is better because, um, they don't need that much stability. Um, they, they want fast and they, if you're dealing with pin gap and judging 3d, you never know what that is. And this is why, why Joel. You know, I talked with Joel a lot about this. He said, you know, he shoots the lightest arrow possible to reduce your pin gap, to reduce your margin of error. Um, our number one selling and actually the number one selling target vein in the world 
is this one right here. You can see it's called the FFP 187. It's it's 1.87 inches uh, long, but it's very, very low profile. This is the target vein that has won more world champions than all other veins put together. But you see it's a lower profile and much shorter than a Silent Night when you look at that. But that's when you're shooting target, I mean, really you're you're shooting you're you don't need that much steering ability on it because you're you're shooting especially most target archers are shooting only you know 50 pounds or 60 pounds and not 70 80 pounds so so really it's not completely about the steering ability um or really the noise for the target side but on the on the 3d side the two inch is much more preferred than a than a three inch because of that foc to to get your arrow in like a dart and not have anything heavy on the back side of it um and uh you know some people have looked at even the ff the 187 or one of our other ones are 1.75s or stuff like that but on the target side we we are the 3d side we recommend the sk2 versus the versus the three inch and so you're talking about from the 3d side and the the foc you're talking about uh, a lighter weight vein allowing for more foc Correct. Correct. Like, like more have more weight on your front end, um, as well, as well as just a lighter arrow to shoot flatter. And then, um, I guess, so from that standpoint, you know, different material, different process, thinner vein, like, uh, on a silent night or one of your hunting veins, like, what are you looking at for weight and what's the like consistency of those? Uh, as far as the can, consistency from vein to vein yeah like grain weight and then like do you have like a normal standard deviation yeah our grain weight is you know less than one one to two grains difference if that um because of well our inspection process is a, a big thing i mean each one is is hand inspected um for quality of it um they're also light inspected for any air bubbles um, because when you extrude things like toothpaste, same thing, you're getting, you're getting air bubbles and things. And when you have that, that's where you get your inconsistencies and ours are, you know, they're actually touched three or four different times from the time they're produced to, to the time that they're packaged. So, um, there's a, a great thing about consistency and that's why our target archers really like that. The consistency is, is rock solid. But what do they weigh versus a regular vein? Um, you know what? I'm. I, I'm not smart enough to know it off the top of my head. I apologize for that. Um, there are weights are actually on our website. In fact, let me pull it up here so I can see it um, here. But I, if you go to flexfletch.com um, and you actually click on each vein um, individually, uh, you're going to see a breakdown as well on on the vein as far as what it's uh, what they weigh and what they're used for. So, like the Silent Night right now, I have to put my glasses on here. Um, 6.8 grains for a three inch, right? Okay. Yeah. And so, um, and there's a little chart underneath it to actually show what they're best used for, you know, uh, compound, uh, fixed blade, compound mechanical, um, crossbow, outdoor, indoor, uh, each, each vein has been rated that way. So you can kind of see and make choices of that. But if someone has questions, they can contact me. And if I'm not sure, I grab one of our pro pro archers and say hey what do you guys recommend so i get firsthand feedback uh, back to you from our professional archers okay um 
and as far as material goes, um, and I mean, there, if 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 I were making um, a uh, a quiet vein, and I was calling it the Silent Night, and I was saying that these are all the things, um, I would want to say, like, uh, you may want to keep some of it close to the vest, right? But what? as far as material or whatever, like what makes them quieter or what, I guess uh, the, the, the antithesis of that question is like, what makes veins loud? <laughs> right. Right. So, so think about when you were a kid and you were driving up and, and you had your bicycle and you put a playing card in it. Right. And, and it fluttered in the wind, you know, like that and made that no- noise as a kid. Um, that fluttering is what actually creates the noise. Um, and if you look at our veins in slow motion, you'll see that our veins stay true to their shape. They don't flap um, or flutter. Or flutter. Um, if you look at them in slow motion, it looks like a stainless steel boat prop, just going completely great. But if you have a veins that aren't consistent, that have air bubbles in them or straight up that don't have that same chemical properties as ours, and you watch it in slow motion, and we have it on our Facebook page and our Instagram as well. They look like a uh, uh, chicken, you know, broken chicken wing or a duck that you shot in with kind of a flop in it. The the veins don't have that consistency like a steel stainless uh, prop. And that's why, you know, um, you know, boating guys use stainless steel versus aluminum because that stainless steel stays stronger and tougher and, and keeps that rotation as more efficient. And that's what ours do. And you can see it in, in video here. If you watch the video, if you took another vein company, you did this and that, and you bent that vein over and you pulled it back, ours come back really slow to shape. Anything else snaps and you get that flutter. And that that's what's creating that noise. Okay. And for, for someone who hasn't never handled these veins, they're um, uh, almost slippery or and again it goes back to that that um it's a it's a resin and instead of uh, uh just extruded plastic and so it is slippery the actual te- uh, trademark name for the resin is slick draw right so yeah again back to that like out of the box or you're giving people you know something that you're like well, these would never work um right. type because i think that that's what it, everything is is you're just quick to look at them and go yeah that's different i don't i don't yeah. i don't like different i don't like change um and i mean i've got a ton of them here where you know you've got some of these aae max that actually have like uh ribs in them you know um and then uh, like the blazers are rough you know the it's it's just a, a crazy uh, thing to to think about, and you know when everybody says, and if you are following along, you know like the the DCA veins. You know, Kyle's got his list that says these are the ones that are quieter or, or whatever, and uh, these are the ones that are more preferred. And those uh, the AAE Hunter veins are always up there, but they have like more. Uh, I guess they're like rough. They, they have more texture on them. Um, so I was just curious as to like why, what makes them loud and what makes them qu- quieter, I guess, outside of that. I mean, blazer veins are like some of the loudest ones. They're short and tall. Uh, right. I guess they're, they're not very long and they're tall. Yeah. It, it's not the shape so much. Um, I would just do that snap test. When you grab an arrow and you, um, and you, 
you know, bend it over, bend over the vein and bring it back. If, if it snaps back, I mean, people talk about stiffness, right? Well, if it snaps back, it's going to make a noise. But if it goes back real slow, uh, you know, like, a, oh, think about like a closure on your cabinets, right? If you have that soft close, you're not going to get that loud bang. And that's that's exactly what it is, is that resin creates that property that has that slow memory ring back to it instead of a snap. Um, and I, I can't say specifically about some of the other brands. I, I won't talk specifically about, about against another brand, but having ribs in or extra thickness in that um, helps create that rigidity. So it, it, it won't maybe snap back as much or it creates more. Um, well, I think about it as building. If you have to have extra reinforcements in something, um, it, it doesn't have the stability or the strength that, that something else does. So, and this is just something you may not know the answer. It's just kind of like a, right. a, a talking, we're talking point. Hunter, hunter, right? Well, when we're, when we're talking about this and you're talking about like snapping back thickness, um, yeah. you know, that quick to recover versus slow to recover. Um, how does that work? Like in a crosswind, where you're getting, you know, you're going to have some sort of a movement. I mean, I was shooting some, I can, I can think of a few years ago and it, it's definitely not on the, the sound spectrum. I could, could have cared less at that point, but I had some really long, like four inch shield cut boning veins with like a one degree offset shooting at the total archery challenge on a, like a 60 yard shot across a ski trail with right. a humongous crosswind and like the arrow left the bow and you could see it, you know, I mean, it, it caught the wind and tracked this way. And then all of a sudden just, just came right back and it, like, like a curveball. Yeah. But, it, but it did recover. And I just I'm curious as like, have you done any testing with that on, on like the tangential winds, you, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't personally, so I'm, I'm not going to answer or respond to that because I, I I'm just, I don't want to throw BS out there. Um, I do know that um, some of the things that I've, you know, heard talking to the engineers or other people that, that are shooting our products out 70, 80 yards um, that um they're not seeing that that drag and that drift. One is because we're a little bit lower profile than some of the standard veins out there. Um, so that helps out with the Silent Night, as well as um, with having less drag on it, that wind, that crosswind is, if you have something that has more drag on it, it's going to slow it down. Um, and, and that wind is going to have more effect on it. So that's that's all I can personally answer to you on it and i i'm like i said i'm not the engineer to give you that hardcore detail or i'm not ranch ferry to uh, come up with some stats on it and stuff so it's it just me as a bull hunter and what i've heard from other professionals um is what i'm going to give you on that well that's one of the interesting things too is like when you talk about being a, a bow hunter um we, we with the and i guess you in the industry and in the 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 hunting space for so long and, and, you know, even talking about doing the social media stuff and, and whatever is that I think we like 
fixate on a lot of things that don't really matter. I mean, you think about when you started bow hunting or when you were shooting bows at eight or the first deer that you killed, like that, that setup today, if you were to put it on your, uh, decibel meter and then you were to shoot it through a chrono or you were to like put it on like a frame rate camera and watch like what actually that boat looked like when it went off and that what the arrow flight looked like and you know if we paper tuned it it might have a six inch tear um but at the end of the day it (laughs) it 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 killed the the animal and i've got my first arrow up there it's an easton game getter uh, up there <laughs> with, yep. a, with a three inch fl- or four inch fletching off the shelf, right? Yep. So, so it's still there. Um, and I guess you know we can always get into this this more detail, detail, detail um, of things. And that's why I'm not going to be as when we're talking here. I'm not going to be as scientific about it. I'm not a a ranch fairy guru on it. I'm just an average guy that is that is working in this industry and, and learning things. And and that's why I just said why I like shooting the, the silent night is three things. It's faster and I can measure that it's quieter. Um, and I can measure that and a three inch versus a two inch for broadheads is going to be more accurate as well as obviously, um, it's tough and I've tested it out and I've got the feedback from other people that, and it's been buried or whatever I can hunt, you know, up here in Minnesota, as well as you in Michigan, um, new year's Eve, I, or, you know, Christmas Eve, I was out hunting and it was 25 below. Right. And I've heard stories from other people shooting other veins that that cold weather they shoot and their veins snap. And, um, our, our product that works fantastic in hot or cold weather extremes. Yeah. And, and like I say, all of this minutia is a bit much at times. And, you know, you know, I said, I said it, I think, on the last podcast or whatever, but you get this, you know, uh, paralysis by analysis and you you try yeah. and think, you know, you, I mean, there are people out there that try and get the perfect arrow, the perfect arrow flight, and they don't want to go hunting if they don't get that. And and at the end of the day, you, you for for most people, uh, and especially, you know, with the, the recurves and stuff, and I've got a longbow. I mean, I, I, I always go back to conversation that we had with Warren Womack, who, who, you know, he's 80 some years old, I believe. And he's hunted. He's got all the tick marks in his truck camper of all the hundreds or thousands of days. He's got journals and journals and journals full of all of his hunts. And, you know, when you ask him about shooting his bow and his arrow set up and what it is. And he says, you know, I've got a, I got a quiver full of a whole bunch of random arrows because I can't make them shoot any better. And you know, <laughs> the guy's a, a killer, right. And right. it's, but he's shooting a stick bow. And so there's, you know, a little bit different. The, the distances he's shooting are, are, are less, but you know, at the end of the day, you're looking for, you know, an efficient kill at the, 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 as, as close as you can get them basically and when we're talking about you know i come from a pharmacy background and so it's clinically significant or statistically significant like you were talking about with the uh the arrow sound right so whether you can hear it or not if you're if you're you know statistically you know 50 if if, if your arrows if you're if you were able to shoot 50% uh, more accurately with 
the Silent Night veins. But that put you one-eighth of an inch closer to your nearest competitor at, you know, five yards or ten yards or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter whether if you were shooting a bear shaft or or, or whatever. Does it make you – a? It, but are those the numbers? Yeah, 100%. But does it really matter at the end of the day? Not at all, as far as that that's concerned. Now, when we talk about sound, you know, if it's something that the deer can hear, which right. I think with the blazer vein, and there's been millions of deer that have been killed with a blazer vein, right? But yeah, well, I do. but how many uh, bad hits have happened from that? How many deer of a lifetime have jumped the string or ducked an arrow or did that? You know, you keep saying that Ranch Ferry did that tuck and roll and you shoot him in the shoulder. Um, that maybe you could avoid that with something that was quote unquote clinically significant, um, versus statistically significant. Now, that would be something that in practice would be, you know, greatly improved, right? And I think we also have this thing that if, if as a bull hunter, if you're more confident in your equipment, that you don't have to worry about things. Um, I think that's a, a big thing. I mean, I had a deer in Wisconsin that we filmed on camera that at 40 yards, it was going one way. And when I shot it, it had flipped around and went the other way um, and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it um, anything to help make you more confident, I think, is a big deal. Yeah, so. uh, 100%. That That's, you know, we as bow hunters, right, We are, we talk about getting close and finding that big animal and doing these things. And one of the things that we're always, one of the big arguments, right. Is, is scent control. Right. So scent control, how well can a deer smell you? How much does it matter? And you, you know, we've right. got, and uh, maybe being from that area that you're from, you're familiar with the Dan Infault and, you know, yeah. him and you got John Eberhard on the other side, who's scent lock, doesn't eat onions, doesn't drink coffee during the season, all of these things. And these two guys basically hunt a very, very similar and where they hunt and how they hunt and th their approaches to it. But they would, you know, up until recently, you know, they probably didn't even want to be in a room together because right. of, the, you know, the, the, the scent control thing. But I think, I think from that standpoint, I think the scent control thing is what makes John so confident. And I think John probably doesn't give himself enough credit as being a great hunter because he thinks that it's the scent lock that's helping him. <laughs> right. And, and But if it makes you that confident, if that's what, you know, if right. you have your lucky hat and that's why you kill right. deer, you know, you've done everything else right. It didn't have anything to do with the hat, but right. if that's what allows you to stay longer, you know that you're going to kill something because you're wearing your lucky hat, then, you know, it, it is uh, that confidence thing. That's like the same thing with bows. I mean, the bows these days are so phenomenal that, you know what, I, I'll, I mean, I shoot, I don't know, six different kinds of bows here um, because the consistent, if I'm shooting and practicing, it's consistent, consistent. So, I'm not going to say one thing is better than the other, um, but whatever I feel most comfortable with. I, I do know that with the testing I've done and, and seen is that the properties that I like about the silent night are that I've seen and I've tested myself and I've put out the data on, and it may not be 
that significantly much. But if I know that it's it's quieter and faster and tougher, I like it. Okay, so here's a hard question for you. Right. I, I mean, it, and it is it is it is a, a really hard question. Um, so y- you and I have established right that we either suck at, don't like, or just would avoid entirely fletching arrows if we could, <laughs> right? right? So. So who who is your um like customer avatar? Like who who is the silent knight um aimed at? And then if there's a guy like me or you that's like, I really like um, you know, the silent knight, I like the idea behind that, how do they get them on an arrow uh right. without screwing it all up? <laughs> right. It, it, exactly. You know what? And that's you know, that's been tough part for flex fletch is, is to get into this hunting market again, instead of the target side is that most target archers are, are kind of ranch fairies. They, they fletch their own stuff up. And because silent nights have not been on arrows, that's been a big challenge for that. Um, we are in talks now and actually many arrow manufacturers are, are, are testing our veins and actually p- feeling pretty confident about putting our veins on some of their arrows now for 2023 and moving forward. Um, so that part, seeing the, for the average guy, you know, when you come into a shop, you see what's on arrows in shops. So that was our number one priority was that, um, if you are an average guy and, and don't see those arrows in the shop right now, you know, you can take them into your shop, uh, and they will, and they'll flesh them for you. The silent nights, um, you can buy them at Lancaster. You can buy them on our website and more dealers are picking them up now um, to do that. But I, I hate to fletch because it's, we were talking about that. It's the bits and burger or whatever else you want to use. Um, I found a, a jig that I really like that goat tough one. That's just really, I can fletch that arrow in 45 seconds. Cause it's not about getting that exact alignment, all that stuff. But um, yeah, that's what I would suggest is, is if you're out there, you can order them online. You can take them into your local archery shop or ask your archery shop about that about getting them on. Um, and you know, this January you'll see more arrow companies with them on, um, for sure to make it easy for the guy that just wants to buy them off the shelf. But that's kind of right now we're looking at to get in this market. We had to go, okay. Um, for the bow hunter that, you know, wants that next thing that they want the next level of gear. They want the next level to basically upgrade they're doing. Uh, they want a, a bow with a, a better string than a factory string on it, right? That's that's kind of how we had to get into this market is for the bow hunter who wants the better vein to upgrade it than the factory, you know, Chinese product. Um, this is where we're at is, is, you know, that's kind of how we're starting it in this market anyway. Okay. So another question for you, it's going to be a hard question too. Um, but from, from, from dealing with, um, this, uh, high FOC, the ranch, very Ashby style arrow, um, guys are building them themselves or they're going into their bow shop and they're telling their bow shop, Hey, I want you, I want my arrow to be 600 grains or whatever. And, bow shops don't necessarily want to do any more work than they have to, or they don't want to deal with something that they don't understand or that they don't do all the time. And they'll say, well, this works. I know this works. 
you're dumb. Right. I'm the expert. I work here. Um, <laughs> you know, so how are you dealing with the dealers, pro shops, um, in the education portion of like letting them see and use and become familiar with your product versus just saying like, no, these ones over here come with blazers or these are the AAEs and we got, we'll sell you the pen and the glue and all the other things that go along with it. I mean, how do you deal with that? It's, it's a battle. Um, (laughs) It's a battle. You know, I'll send some samples out to dealers to get them going. Um, I'll talk with them about, you know, what the, what the, um, you know, costs and stuff like that are, our veins are a little bit more expensive than others just because they're, they're handmade in the U S. Um, and the, you know, the technology of it or whatever, I mean, they're not produced by this robot really. It's, it's, I've, we've got eight people at flex Fletch that are, that are hand mixing this stuff and pouring it in these molds and doing it, you know, like it was done in 1970. And so there are some costs to that, but what we're finding from people that use it is that they're willing to pay for that quality and that performance. And I guess that's kind of, you know, you can either buy a, a Geo Metro or you can buy a, you know, a brand new uh, top state of the art pickup, you know, what, and so it's really what you're at. I'm not going to shove something down someone's throat, but it's, if you want that quality and made in the U S there you go. Yeah, I mean, but the but the thought is is that if I'm a regular guy and I hear yeah. the podcast and I'm like, yeah, I'd like to try those, and then you don't like to, you know, like, well, they said on the podcast, just bring them in and the your local shop will do it, and they'll be like, what is this crap? Like, why why are you bringing me something? You know, they don't know anything about it, and that's what's happened to guys when they go to shops and they say, I want I want a, I want a 600 grain arrow. They get laughed right out of there and say, we don't do that here or or right. or whatever. It's, it's a hard deal for sure. That's why we wanted to get them onto arrows for dealers so they can see them on the arrows for that credibility side. Um, but um, it's just, you know, where we're at on it. I guess the thing that, that if someone does get some silent nights and they go into shop, they could mention flex fudge because most dealers are going to know flex fudge because they've been a premier vein company for, you know, 50 years. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, just curious, like say from, from, from a standpoint, of a of a of a regular guy on the, the you know trying to this again people don't like change and then as soon as you try to 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 implement something like that so um you know I don't know if you got too much more that you want to go into I, we always ask at the end you know what's the bow that you're shooting like so what what's your bow set up right now um oh, well I'm friends with Joel Maxfield um and Skip. Uh, Peterson from Gearhead, and they both hunt out at my ranch. So <laughs> I shoot a Gearhead and a Matthews, and then when I'm not shooting that, I I shoot a recurve as well. So um, you know, I, I, there's there's features of both that I like, and that's again, I think this industry is too small to be knocking down anyone else, and it's all about relationships. And so that's that's why I've I've appreciated this industry for 30 years. Okay, so which ones? Which, which math? I, I literally so the again my my co-host I, he probably won't listen to this. So I'll just I, I've, got, I've got a, I shoot the the VX three, um and or no the VXR. I'm sorry. See that's I'm not that techie via junk. And the T thirty from Gearhead, um and you know one is really smooth and the other one I really like because of the lightweight and the portability factor. So, you know, depending on my situation, um, 
I'm going to use different ones in different situations. Okay. Um, so my co-host is pretty bougie. He's, yeah. uh, he's, he's so fancy. I just went and picked up, uh, the V3X, uh, yeah. 33 for him. And, uh, he, he's had three new bows in, in three years. Like he doesn't need another bow. Um, so what are you using for components? So your um, like the rests in your, your sites. You know, I've had relationships with many different people. So I, I use whatever, you know, I, comes out there um, and who I, who friends of me are, you know, who I have as friends. So, you know, I've got black gold components. I use, I use um, uh, QAD rest on one. I use uh, uh, Axion archery, actually a rest on another one that I really like that pulse. Um, I've got tight spot quivers or I've got another quiver called uh, the, um, uh, it's from, it's actually here called the um, arrow lock quiver. Um, from Canada and it's got this cool thing that protects your uh, arrows and it's got a plunger system mm -hmm. to hold them in. So, uh, you know, I like use a lot of different components. So um, I I'm just not going to jump into choosing one or the other because every situation is different for me. And I've got the luxury to be able to switch things um, around depending on the situation. Sure. That, uh, that gear head, what, what model is it? Do you know, is it the, uh... <laughs> It's the T30. T30. Okay. So, yeah, we're giving away a T28. How'd you land on the the uh, the 30-inch? Because 30-inch is a, a strange one in a gearhead, right? Because gearhead is a strange bow to begin with. And I've, had, I've, I've shot a T24 for a long time. Um, and actually, Skip sent me out this T30. I wanted a little bit longer bow for some longer range stuff. And that's how I ended up with that. Okay, because I do twenty four for in the ground behind the tree stand. Yeah, because at at thirty inches, you're you could get any bow at at a thirty inch bow, but you can't be very few twenty four inch bows. Um, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then what what arrows do you have the the silent knights on, and then broadheads do you shoot? Uh, you know, because I'm doing testing and stuff with different arrow manufacturers, I shoot Aerotechs, I shoot Sirius. Um, uh, obviously a lot of Easton's, um, I shoot. So, and broadheads, I'm, you know, I've, I shoot Zeus or I shoot VIP or, you know, just different situations and, and different scenarios. And what, again, it's all about relationships with different people in the in industry. So there's, I guess there's two things that you could say about that. You could say, well, you know, this guy's got a lot of friends who give him a lot of free gear. Um, but, but just like us here, I mean, we're, shooting Bowtech PSE, you know, I just bought a Matthews. I got a bear that we're shooting, um, right. as well. And you're getting to try out firsthand a lot of this different stuff to find out and, and to speak about what you do like and what you, what you don't. So, and yeah, I, and I guess it's, it's about choices. Um, you know, I could get a lot of different things, but, um, if I find value in it, I can cross market it with someone else because I, I personally like to use it, then I'll do that. But um, I, I just I don't just take things from anyone because if, it, if I'm not going to use it, it doesn't make any difference, you know. And that's kind of why I got involved with FlexFletch is that they became a client because I got intrigued by the company and the product and stuff like that. But so. But I, I, you know, I really appreciate Adam you taking the time to visit with me and stuff like that, and the opportunity. And if you know people have questions, they can message us at Flex Fletcher Silent Night or me personally, 
um, and uh, I'll love to answer anything. And if I don't know, you know what? Uh, I will find someone who does to, to get an answer for you. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it again and, and uh, look forward to doing some more things with you. Sure.